Welcome to the MTB Tribe Podcast, your trail map for the world of mountain biking. And now, I'll introducing your host, Gareth Beckett. Howdy, mountain bikers. Thanks for being here, and welcome to episode 146 of the MTB Tribe Podcast. I'm here as always to help you find out more about mountain biking, how to go on the trails, keep you stoked and hopefully learn a little more about mountain biking and the people involved. And now if you're enjoying the podcast and want to show your support, the best way to do that is by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you listen to your podcasts on. Your ratings and reviews help the podcast get seen easier and hopefully will help get more people off the sofa and onto the saddle. I would prefer to grow the show organically and not make you guys listen to adverts and stuff like that that you don't want to hear, to be honest. So your five-star ratings help massively get the show seen and out there to more people. So thanks for doing that. I do appreciate your help and appreciate your effort in making the show grow and get bigger. Now, before we go on to today's episode, don't forget that the Vitus First Tracks Enduro Cup rounds 1 and 2 at Bigwood is a go. Yes, racing is starting, and I'm sure a lot of you out there are absolutely stoked about that. It's on Saturday the 22nd to Sunday the 23rd of August, so please head over to the Vitus First Tracks website to find more information and get registered or go on to their socials and you will find more information on there so get signed up get ready to go racing i'm sure a lot of you guys are stoked and ready for it it's uh, time to get the helmet on the full face helmet and get out there again so um, i hope you just get signed up and you just enjoy that Now today's episode is kind of a follow-on from last week where we chat about one thing you wish you knew before you started mountain biking, which went down very well and got good response from that. So this is kind of a follow-on from that. We're chatting to Adam Copley. Now Adam runs a personal training business out of the UK. Uh, He he mainly focuses on mountain biking, posture correction, and anything else that really will help you hit the trails and go out there with more confidence and more stoke. And it was great to chat to Adam uh, because we we chatted to him a little bit about the COVID pandemic, how this has affected his PT business and getting in contact with his clients and helping people, you know, over this hard time, stay stay healthy, stay fit for the bike, stay fit for the trails. Um, so we chatted to him about that. He's taken a lot of positives out of that as well and how it has helped him build new relationships and connections. We also chat about how to best get started on your mountain bike journey regarding bikes, trail riding, gym workouts what mistakes to avoid, all that kind of thing. So if you are new to it, this will be another great episode for you to listen to and hopefully get you started and point it in the right direction. We finish and touch a little bit on the importance of looking after our trails because Adam had noticed in his local trails when the pandemic restrictions had been lifted a little and people were able to go out in the trails, he did notice a lot of rubbish, barbecues, bottles, packets of energy bars all this kind of thing so we chat a little bit about that and how it is important to tidy up after you take your rubbish home um it's a great episode i think you guys will really enjoy it and uh, it was great to get adam on the show so let's get him on the podcast and let's hear how he's been getting on over the covid thing and what he's expecting for the near future hi adam welcome to the mtb tribe podcast how's things with you today sir Hi Gareth, I'm really good, thank you mate. I've just got back from being on the bike, so just chilling out now, enjoying my Friday afternoon. Perfect mate, lucky for some eh? (laughs) (laughs) It's been an early morning, so it's not a lucky lucky day completely. 
Yeah, yeah, cool. Well, Adam, you're a personal trainer, and we've got you on the show to chat about that whole thing over COVID, how's it affected yourself and stuff like that. We'll also get into how to best get started in mountain biking. And with the influx of mountain bikers, like it's crazy, man, the way this, well, it's maybe not crazy. That's maybe the wrong way to say it. But the COVID thing, I know there's a lot of people getting into biking, a lot of people getting into mountain biking. So we'll chat about that and how, from your standpoint of being a personal trainer, how to best go about that, those kind of things, mindset, all that kind of thing. Then we'll touch a wee bit on the home trails, your home trails and rubbish collection because you've noticed a little bit about that as well. Mm. Um, crazy, man, crazy. But from you, Adam, as a, as a personal trainer, the COVID thing, how has that affected your business? Like, what have you been able to do there? Well, I think with the, the COVID thing, the first thing, it was a, a, a bit surprising because... I try and keep sort of positive about everything and then there was no sort of mention officially of gyms being closed um, apart from people just sort of speculating. So I was sort of trying to sort of, maybe maybe this was a bit silly in the offering, but I was planning what to do in case gyms were closed, but sort of going with the mindset that until they are, I'm just going to carry on doing what I'm doing. Um, so when I actually found out gyms were closing, I'd literally just finished planning my calendar for the following week. And then I, I look at my phone. I've got a WhatsApp message off one of my friends saying that uh, gyms are closed. So I was like, what? Straight, mm. onto the, uh, straight onto the internet to watch the news conference. Saw it, they were closing from, well, the day after the Friday they announced it. And I was just like, I kind of didn't really know what, what to do. I wasn't surprised because I kind of saw it coming and I'd made plans for it. But at the same time, it was still a bit of a, dis- a disappointment. Understandable mm. why they've done it, but still a, a disappointing thing because you, you kind of think, oh, I've got to put all my my backup plans into action now. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy, man. And you can understand why they give you like a day, you know what I mean, obviously. But from running a business type of thing to have one day to totally change your structure and how you run things is crazy, man. It's not doable, really. Well, it was, yeah, it was it was quite tough. Um, I mean, I was lucky that we had some good weather. I'm also quite lucky that a lot of the people I train are very outdoorsy people. Um, so a lot of them still wanted to meet me for you know, rides and, and, and park sessions and things like that. And I had to say to them, look, until, you know, they lessen the rules a little bit, we're going to have to do things by the book. But the flip side of that is, you know, with, with technology now, you can really implement cool things into your services that you offer with them. So the guys who I still work with, you know, we were doing really interesting things like planning their home training um, planning their rides out on Strava, which has been a really sort of interesting thing to be doing with my clients. So it, I had to adapt, but I think I was I was quite lucky in the way that my clients have been incredibly supportive of me, um, and a lot of them have carried on. And also, we've managed to develop this sort of training system online with my clients, which they still benefit from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's crazy times, man. Um, and it's good you were really able to do that. And it's funny, it kind of forces you to use these other technologies, doesn't it? And it's across everything now, you know, that 
people have had to work from home and use technology and PC and the likes of Skype that we're on here and things like this. But it's crazy how it, how it makes you do those things. Do you think from your business and you specialize in mountain bike training, guys that are mountain bike racing and stuff, do you think from your side of it, from the business side, that it'll actually help you in, in the medium to long run? Oh, without a doubt. I mean, yesterday I was sort of planning out my services and packages sort of post lockdown. Um, and I've actually introduced a couple of new packages that I'm going to offer specifically for outdoor athletes. So um, runners, walkers, climbers and things like that. So I'll be contacting various companies to try and get some partnerships going. But like going back to the Strava routes and things, it, it's really beneficial for me because before when I was just sort of planning out their training and saying, I want you to go out and I want you to sort of 15 miles at pace. Now I can go on to Strava. I can look at the trails where they live and I can plan them out a 15 mile ride, which has got a bit of everything in there. So some big climbs, some nice trails. Um, and I can really sort of dig in deep and plan them some really good rides. And they're really enjoying that side of things. So mm -hmm. it, it definitely, it has, it has improved services going forward. Yeah. yeah. Um, I know aside, uh, what do you think it'll do to the gym industry? I know, in Malta here, the gym thing is actually is actually very popular. You kind of wouldn't think it with the climate here, but what happens is in the winter, it's quite chilly here in the winter, especially in the mornings and the evenings. It, it can be surprisingly cold mm. and quite damp. So people use, use the gyms then. And then in the summer, it's too warm. It's normally mid-30s yeah, in yeah. the summer, so it's too warm. So people use the gyms then as well for AC. <laughs> You know, it's kind of crazy. But what do you think? Because I was, with me being involved in mountain biking here and obviously working in a mountain bike store here in Malta, there's guys that come in that either work in gyms um, or obviously do a lot of training, you know, uh, go to the gyms regularly. And they were saying that there was a few of the gyms here when it hit just started to sell off all their gear. They just sold it all off via social media and other platforms. And they're not going to open again. Um, and as I was saying to you before we hit the record button, they're actually the gyms are actually opening today here. Yeah. What do you think it'll do for the gym business as a whole? I think it's going to be interesting going forward. I think gyms are really going to have to put a massive focus on how they handle hygiene. Um, they're going to be closely watched by their clientele now, a lot closer than before. Um, I also think that, you know, people are going to be excited to go back. The people I've spoke to about the gym, you know, my mates and, and members of the gym where I, I'm based at, they all seem quite excited to be going back to the gym. Um, because a lot of people, even if they have bought home training equipment, unless you've got quite a lot of disposable income, getting the, the sort of heavy weights and the squat racks and things like that, it, it's quite pricey. So a lot of people have bought quite lightweights and they're doing a lot of lightweight training, um, which is okay for them and they're enjoying it. But there's not as much variation to their workouts. So I think when gyms open up, it'll give them a new opportunity to sort of go in the gym and, and discover different styles of training. I think it's all down to how the gyms sort of market themselves as well, because you've got to sort of capitalize on the excitement factor that gyms are going to be opening up. So, you know, if they do it right, 
I don't see why gyms won't be busy when they go back, but I do think they're going to be quite different in terms of how they operate with social distancing and hygiene and, and things like that. It'll be interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I was watching a thing online the other day there and Golds, you know, the big gym Golds. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't think we have any in the UK, but it's Arnold Schwarzenegger used to go to it and all back in the day, but that's when anti-administration, that's finished. Wow. Yeah, and there's another one called, now, don't quote me on this, but I think it's called 24-Hour Fitness. Mm-hmm. And they reckon they'll be gone by the end of the month. They're going into administration as well. And then you look at the likes of this Peloton stuff, where you buy the bike, the Peloton bike, you go online, you race online, you do all this. Uh, like Their shares, their business shares have went through the roof. They have yeah, sold more bikes than they ever have, et cetera, et cetera. Like, do you think... Once people get a get a touch of that at home, they'll stay at home and they maybe won't go to the gyms as much. No, I don't. Um, primarily because at the minute it's very easy to schedule training into your day because you're either off of work on furlough or your working patterns haven't changed, so your routine is more or less the same. Um, if you're off of work, you're going to be a bit more bored, so you're going to train. But I think when gyms open up, the advantage you have at a gym is when you go to the gym, you have nothing else to do but train. When you go back to work and you, say, come home after you've been working for 12 hours, you know, you've got tea to cook, you've got television in front of you. Mm -hmm. If you've got kids, you've got kids to entertain and play with. So the amount of training time you have, it, it disappears. And when you're at home, it's very easy to sort of chill out and watch television and, and things like that. Um, for instance, myself, someone who, you know, quote unquote, lives in the gym. I'm not a massive fan of training after I finish work. That's when I want to go home. So I'll train either at the middle of my working day or before my working day begins so it's, I don't think people will stick to these things um, purely because, you know, there's so many factors at home that affect their training. Mm-hmm. I think they'll sort of slowly start to sort of drift away from them. I've actually got a client who's got one of them Peloton bikes and it's a right effort trying to get him to use it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, that's the thing. I never looked at it like that. Those are very good points. Um when I was reading that report, uh, the one thing that struck me was they didn't talk about the social aspect of the gym, you know, of going, meeting people, in the, and you're obviously not there to chat, but it's a social aspect, isn't it? It's getting out, it's being around other people, there's a social side to it. Um, and I always find when I'm going to the gym and the days where you don't want to do it, as long as you step over that door, you're going to train. But it's like you say, if you're at home, when you go home and you think, all oh, right, I have to jump on this bike for an hour and a half or whatever, there's too many distractions, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. The kids want to go out for a run or the kids want to go and play. You've got to take them to football training or the dog needs a walk or you've had a bad day and you, you don't really feel it. <laughs> there's, there's so many variables with training at home where you just think, oh, I can't be bothered today. I'll do it tomorrow. It reminds me, that reminds me when I was at university and I was doing my dissertation. Before I left at a pen, all of a sudden the shower needs scrubbed or the, gut, <laughs> the gutters need cleaned out in the house. You know what I mean? Before I would actually get into my... Yeah, yeah that's, that's it. It's exactly the same thing. If there's something you don't actually want to do, you're just doing it because you feel 
you have to do it. Your, your motivation to do it diminishes. So you need to have that gym environment where there's nothing else for you to do. Mm-hmm, yeah. Would you say most of your clients go as pairs? Is that a big thing in the gym? Uh, I know people that do train in pairs. Most of the people, a lot of people in the gym do train in pairs, but my clients are sort of solely one-to-one at the minute. I have trained a couple of people together, um, but it is mainly sort of one-to-one stuff mm-hmm. I work with. All right, cool. Now, let's get into the, the mountain bike side of things then. So for you, Adam, what, what came first? Was it the gym or the bike? Um, going back way, way, way into my younger years, it was the bike because I was too young to go to a gym. And you know what it's like when you're younger. That's how most people get into mountain biking. They mess around on the bike with their mates. They do a few jumps. They build a few sort of sketchy ramps in the woods and things like that. So... <laughs> Sort of in my younger life, the bike came first, but then in my adult life, sort of mountain biking sort of disappeared a little bit, studying and work and all this kind of stuff. Um, the gym came first and then the bike came came after. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. And like you specialize in the mountain bike thing um, and I'll direct people to your to your website and the show notes and stuff, but you specialize in the mountain bike specific training and stuff. So what made you go down that route you know was it just your love for bikes initially or yeah i mean my love for bikes initially was was a part of it i've always been a more performance orientated coach anyway um my background is in strength and conditioning with athletes when i was at uni i used to work at the university as a strength and conditioning coach as well so that style of sort of performance based training has always motivated me and it's always been my main interest so it sort of ties in with my background and my love of of cycling really as well there's also a a big market for it because a lot of people i think when you ride a bike and you want to get fit on a bike the general sort of conception is that you just need to ride more ride faster ride harder um and people sort of miss out what's going on with their body so it's a great way to to train people to improve their cycling as well Mm-hmm. yeah no and i'm sure when you're working with people that have the same interest as you it's it's more interesting for you obviously you're researching into all these things and looking at them and and more in depth um when you started your own pt business was it was that quite a scary thing to go on your own yes um it's quite a weird one personal training because when you learn how to do this job you are taught everything you need to know about going into a gym and training someone and handling their nutrition and giving them advice on their diet. But no one teaches you how to run a business unless you go out there and study it. So, yeah, it's kind of a case of, you know, you go into a gym, you're a personal trainer and you're sort of thrown into the deep end with running a business. And I think that's the scariest thing when you see all the other PTs who have have become successful and you think, well, how come they're doing this? How come they're doing that? And then you sort of gradually, as time goes on, you learn that running a business is equally as important as training people and the skills that come with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I suppose you have to do all your own marketing and your social aspect of it and your accounts and everything. You have all that to do. Yeah, it's, um, it's a very interesting one. I mean, my... I've always enjoyed being around technology. So I'm quite lucky in the sense that when it comes to my marketing imagery, uh, my video editing, 
any sort of sort of social media based work I do and my website work I do, I manage to design all of that myself. So I take oh. care of all my images on Photoshop and everything like that. So yeah, content creation is a massive thing. You're creating email lists to get people to sort of stay in touch with you. You're on social media to chat with people and to interact with people. Um, I was listening to a podcast the other day by a guy called Mark Coles, who's a big name in our industry, and he was talking about social media consumption versus interaction. So you've really got to get to know how to run your social media life as well, because it, it yeah. can be something where you just sit and scroll through mindless things and you don't actually spend any productive time on social media you're just sat scrolling through yeah yeah it's it's one of those social media is weird man i, I know <laughs> it's just getting the motivation to do it because i really i don't know i have a love-hate relationship with it you know um i love the interaction side of things and and all that and that's cool and you, you make friends on there and you can obviously try and help people as much as you can on the old social media is with advice and whatever but yeah, it's difficult man there's just so much on there now and it's just a crazy world that yeah i think you've really got to now more than ever um really look at how much time you spend on there and look at what you're doing on there and running your social media time very much like business opening hours is a great thing to do because you make your time on there productive Social media for me throughout lockdown, like you say, it is a love-hate relationship. I mean, I've made some fantastic contacts with people in numerous industries, fitness and outside of fitness industries. I've made, I've had some great conversations with people um, and I can't wait to actually see them face to face after lockdown. But then there's also the aspect of there's a lot of fake news. People are bombarding you with negative stuff and it can be a place where you read it and you do get sort of bombarded with misinformation. So you do have to be careful what, what you do on there and what you look at on there for sure. Mm -hmm. And structuring your time on there is, is very important. I think. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. No, because then program, you know, then platforms are built to sucker you in, to get you involved and keep you there. Mm -hmm. And if you don't keep that in mind, all of a sudden you're on, you know, Instagram or Facebook or whatever, you're on there for an hour. And it's an hour wasted. Well, not wasted, but you've been scrolling through stuff and not actually doing anything. So, you know, oh, I'll tell yeah. I'll tell you a wee story, right? My phone oh. broke. My phone broke. And I was in Malta here. And it took me about 10 days, 11 days to get a new phone and get it set up. Yeah. So I didn't have a phone for 10 or 11 days. It was amazing. Oh, I bet. <laughs> I, bet <it> was, <laughs> I bet it was lovely. Classic, classic case of your phone taking up so much time. Do you know when you go for a ride on the bike, time how long it takes you to wash your bike when you're finished if you've got your phone in your pocket versus if you put your phone somewhere else. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know if you follow Elon Musk or anything like that, but yeah, yeah, yeah. he's a pretty crazy forward thinker. And he was saying that, you know, this whole AI thing and how they're talking about maybe getting it, like, in so many years part of us will be machine and we'll have to just think something and whatever but he's saying this silly phone thing i'm holding my hand now shaking at the screen thinking that you can see it <laughs> but this silly phone thing he's saying that's a that is ai that's a part because he says you think about it if you leave the house and you don't have your phone on you 
you, there's something weird. You feel, oh, I forgot oh, yeah. something. So he's saying that is a part of you. That even though it's maybe separate, if you don't have it on you, there's something weird. You feel weird. It's, it's so true, true man. Mm-hmm. It is true. It's very true. Um, yeah, incredibly, incredibly true. Scary, dude. Scary. Very. All right, let's get these beginners on their bikes and uh, let's see the best way to get them started because we've get we've got so many people. I don't know if you're seeing it yourself or if you've been um, approached by somebody new getting into it, but I know overall the bike industry is doing quite well off of the back of this COVID thing. And obviously there's going to be new people on the trails, new people on bikes, et cetera, et cetera. So like, how would you advise a new person to get into mountain biking when they get started? What's the few tips you would give them? It's quite a difficult question now because you can't you can't recommend any cheap bikes for them because they've all gone. <laughs> <laughs> um, <Very true. laughs> um, it has it's gone mental. The bike. I'm really I am I am glad for a lot of companies because I know a couple of bike shops that have had break-ins over Christmas. Um, so I'm really happy that they've managed to get on their feet and start making a lot of money. Mm-hmm. But yeah, in terms of you know beginning in in cycling, if you do want to go out and you do want to start riding bikes, I would definitely you know consider what you're going to be riding. Invest in something that is not overly expensive, but get something that's half decent. Um, I was chatting to a friend of mine the other day. She's bought a bike. It cost her eight hundred and ninety nine pounds. It's a specialised hardtail. I think it's a rock hopper. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got SRAM SX, so modern modern gears on it. It's got a reasonably good fork on it, not too bad tires. I would definitely say, you know, do a bit of research. Don't be afraid to go to a shop and ask around um, and get some help. But definitely, you know, get something that is half decent because, you know, it's going to make your cycling experience a lot more enjoyable. Um, and then get a helmet. Obviously, that goes that goes without saying. In terms of finding places to ride, again, you know, ask the guys at the local bike shop. There's tons of places you can sort of watch on YouTube. There's loads of routes you can look at if you go on sort of route planning software like Strava, Komoot. But definitely ask the local bike shop. Ask around on social media. So you're not going into it, you know, fully blind. Because the last thing you want to do is sort of go on your first bike ride all excited that you've got your brand new bike out. End up, you know, going on this massive climb and being absolutely exhausted at the top and then having to ride down something that you're uncomfortable with, mm-hmm. um, that's just going to ruin the experience for you. So go into it with a bit of research for sure and invest in something that is a half-decent bike, nothing mentally crazy in terms of spending money, but definitely you know, go to the closer scale of £1,000 than, than less. Yeah. It's good advice because I would always say that to people coming into the store. You know, you can buy cheap, but at the end of the day, the geometry is not set up nice. Your component rate isn't as good. And what that all equals is less enjoyment on the bike. You know, if you get a bike that's well designed, that's good componentry, works nice, gives you the proper feel and stuff, is stable through corners, you're just going to enjoy the whole thing so much more. That's it. And, you know, your more expensive components will last longer. So you're not going to have or you're less likely to have that issue of things breaking when you're out on a ride. I mean, if something breaks when you're out on the ride, it's annoying if you know how to fix it. So can you imagine if you don't know how to fix it and something's just broken? You're sort of looking at your bike thinking, oh, it's going to cost me a fortune and 
not knowing how to get it fixed. So yeah, definitely, you know, invest in something that is is half decent. My first bike was a Scott Scale when I got back into mountain biking. I think I paid twelve hundred quid for it. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nice weapon. Um, yeah, it, it's cool. And you know, the funny thing is here in Malta when the pandemic thing hit and a lot of the gyms and all closed here the old bikes coming out of the sheds man unbelievable <laughs> yeah like 20 year old full suspension bikes that maybe cost a couple of hundred euro at the at the time and these things are just they're destroyed and you, you had to say to the client look it's going to cost you at least 100 120 euros to get that fixed to get it even running you know it's it's really not worth it but it's funny the way people's minds think because that same person normally would have just said, oh, forget about it then. Mm. But over the COVID thing, they were saying, all right, so what can I get for about four or 500 euros then? You know, people were wanting bikes and it's it's really good for the bike companies in the bike industry. What do you think will happen when things get back to normal? Do you think a lot of those people will stop cycling or do you think they'll stay on it? That's a good question. Um, I think that depends on the climate where you are because in England, when the weather gets worse, it's wet and you've got to buy coats and jackets and you're getting covered in in filth. Um, I think it all depends on their experience in the summer because if you have a really enjoyable summer on the bike, you're going to be more motivated to you know, get out there when it's not so nice. So, you know, I think part of that boils down to the experience that the newcomers get from people who are more experienced on the bike to encourage Mm -hmm. them to ride, to help them out, show them where the local trails are, good trail etiquette, understanding that there's a lot of new people on the trails and just making it feel like it's a community that you can get involved in. And group rides in the winter are so much nicer than going out on your own even when you've been riding for a few years so if you've made a few friends through the summer and you you love mountain biking and you've really enjoyed being around it then i think you'll be more motivated to go out but you know if you've not had a good experience you'll definitely be thinking about about mm-hmm. selling it in the winter yeah have you seen many guys on e-bikes have you seen that grow on there Yes, e-biking is huge at the minute. I went to Winlatter probably a month before lockdown. Um, and I would say Winlatter's in the Lake District. So it's there's, a, there's massive hills and it's generally a big climb and then a big descent and then a big climb and then a big descent. Um, I would say there was probably five e-bikes to one mountain bike. Really? Mm. Oh, my word. That's crazy, man. They're not. They're amazing, though, aren't they? Yeah, they are. I love them. I think they're brilliant. I'd have one yeah. if I had the space and the money. Yeah, no doubt about it. I did read a thing on socials um, a few days ago about a gentleman that was out. Um, he came down his local trail, and there was a, a gentleman had fallen off mm. on one of the corners. And when he got, he stopped to get down and help the guy. He realised first of all it was an e-bike. And then secondly, that the gentleman was quite elderly. And when he got chatting to him, the gentleman had just turned 70. Wow. And was out on a bike for a first time in a long, long time. But he he also said that that was the third time he had fallen off that day. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Which is not good. You know, 
you know, and these e-bikes, okay, it's brilliant to get older people involved and get them out and get them riding again. It's amazing what it can do for you mentally and physically and everything else. But there's that aspect of it as well, isn't there? The, the danger aspect for somebody that's older, hasn't been on a bike for a long time. Like, have you seen any clients coming to you, or you maybe well now after the COVID thing lifts, what would you advise somebody in that them kind of scenarios, you know, if it comes to you via the gym direction or what would you, what would your advice be for somebody like that? I think the key thing there is to have a look at where you're riding. First of all, um, cause it is quite easy to end up on trails that are over your comfort zone. And if you've not been on a bike for a while, you might be a little bit sort of rusty in terms of your movement on the bike and your, sort of bike handling skills so definitely I'd, I'd, I'd look at where they were riding um i'd probably suggest a few easier routes for them and then i'd probably work with them in the gym on developing their movement ability getting them moving a little bit better getting their sort of we call it cognitive capability and that's all about you know how your brain and your body work together um Really good example of that. Nino Schurter does a lot of juggling in between his exercise workouts. Mm, so he'll do yeah. a set of squats and he'll go and juggle. Um, so things like that and just getting your concentration levels up because when you, the better your ability is to sort of look and react to things on the trail, the better you're going to be on on the bike. So, yeah, no, a bit of trail advice, but also a bit of just getting them moving better and, and developing their sort of reactions, essentially. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And for, you know, and I'm sure you're going to get this quite a lot now, Adam, but for new people starting that come to you and say, look, I bought a bike over COVID, got out, really liked it, loving it, want to get down trails a wee bit more often, want to kind of start this thing and, and take it a little bit more serious. What would you do to people getting started uh, that want to mountain bike a little a little more serious? Like, what, what way would you take them in the gym? What would be the first things you would do with them? The first thing I would do is ask them questions about how they feel on the bike. So the most, in, the most common issue I come across with people is a lot of people's lower back starts to hurt, mm. um, especially on sort of long rides. There's a number of reasons why this can happen. It can be your bike position, how your bike's set up. It can be the equipment you have, or it can be weaknesses within your body. A lot of people have jobs where they sit down quite a lot, so their lower back is quite unactive. Um, a lot of people have jobs where they're lifting quite a lot, so their lower back's quite tired. Looking at how someone feels on the bike and developing their body so all of their muscles work is a key factor in, in keeping someone comfortable um, on the bike. You can also have a lot of problems with injuries. I myself have I've smashed my right shoulder up quite a lot through a combination of silly training when I was younger and a few mountain bike crashes. Um, when I'm on my road bike, I find it quite uncomfortable to be on the handlebars after about 60 miles. My shoulder starts to to give me a bit of pain. So I've had to have a look at that, do a lot of mobility work with my shoulder and really sort of work on alleviating that pain. So having a look at how they feel on the bike is the key thing because I find with a lot of people, their body gives up before their fitness levels do and it's their back that starts to hurt that means they need to get off and have a stretch or they have a problem with their knee or their shoulder and, and 
that's the issue they have. They're quite uncomfortable on the bike. Hmm. So you would think for the general person then, you know, sitting at an office, sitting at a computer, fitness isn't really an issue initially. It's more not using their body every day that kind of gives them problems. You can develop your fitness by riding your bike. When you first start riding a bike, you can develop your fitness so much by just riding and riding the bike, getting out there and enjoying being on a bike. Um, you can't develop how your body's going to react to that because when you sit down and work all day, you're very forward focused. And a lot of a lot of sports, mountain biking itself, it's very forward focused. So your shoulders are always forwards, your chest's always forwards. So if you spend a lot of time in these positions, your posture starts to adapt to that. So a lot of the time, a lot of work I do, I'm bringing people's posture back to make them stand better. They'll feel more comfortable when they're standing up. They'll feel more comfortable when they're sat down at their office chair. So, yeah, it is a combination of, you know, using the advantage that they're quite new to cycling, that they can they can concentrate on their fitness with cycling. You concentrate on getting their body in the sort of prime shape it can be in terms of, you know, its posture, mm-hmm. which will make their cycling a lot more pleasurable. And then when they've advanced that, that's when you can become more specific about developing the power in their legs, their strength in their shoulders and, and the more sort of specific side of it yeah i suppose that that's a great way to look at it because you're building a foundation almost of mobility and stuff like that and yeah and the power and everything else can there's obviously there's no point being really powerful if you have really bad technique because you're just going to hurt yourself or or end up straining something over time so yeah that's quite a good way of looking at it and you see this is the thing because i don't think somebody that would be getting into mountain biking would think like that you know, no. they see they see the guys on TV, they see how fit they are, they see how much they train, they see all this stuff they do in social media. They wouldn't think that mobility plays such a big part. So you would really drive that home to them. Oh, I'd, I'd definitely drive that home. I mean, when you've got when you've got someone who's just getting into to mountain biking, you're a completely different person to what you are now. When you know, when I started riding the bike. I'm a, I was a completely different person to what I am now in terms of how I need to train. And it, it, it's definitely that is that is the case. Because a lot of people will be buying these bikes because they want to lose a bit of weight um, and they want to get a bit fitter. So to lose weight, you burn calories. Cycling is a fantastic way to burn calories because you can burn a thousand calories in an hour's worth of, of cycling if you cycle in the right in the right areas so the calorie burn and the the fitness gains will take care of themselves you make cycling a more pleasurable experience for them the two things come together and then you advance it and then you put the power development the plyometrics the strength work you put that into it so yeah i mean training training someone who races mountain bikes and training someone who just wants to enjoy mountain biking are two very different very different things Mm-hmm. yeah of course now for somebody getting into it at the start what mistakes do you see them making the most you know what what kind of things can we advise them not to do or what they need to change in the gym or on the bike yeah yeah but well in the gym mainly i suppose from your aspect and then if you can carry it on over to the bike to just to we see what uh, how we can help people that are getting started 
Yeah, you you generally see a lot of people training. They'll do a lot of cardio um, because that's they think losing weight, cardio, cycling, fitness, cardio. So they'll do a lot of cardio in the gym. Maybe go on the treadmill. Maybe go on the rowing machine or the bike. They'll enjoy you know spinning classes. Um, and you can really burn yourself out doing that. And if you go on the bike four times a week, by the fourth time you get on the bike, you're going to be shattered. Mm. Um, so that is exactly the same as, as going in the gym and doing more cardiovascular stuff. And then when people sort of go in the gym and, and weight train, they generally do a lot of forward-based exercises because they're the ones they see on the media. They see them sort of in the news and, and it's bench press, it's squats and all that kind of stuff. Um, again, you know, bench press, great strength exercise, but when we talked about posture a little bit earlier, it's still pulling those shoulders forwards. Um, obviously, a lot of people bench press as well because they want to look good on the beach. So <laughs> you've got you've got that aspect you've got that aspect to it. So yeah, I would definitely say you know when you do join a gym, do a bit of research into it, see what is a good exercise for you to do have a look at yourself and see whether you slump forwards whether your posture is good whether you're nice and upright your chest's out and you look like you can you can hold a good posture um don't just sort of go in the gym jump on the bench press and jump on the treadmill um and that would be sort of my my advice really get some research and have a get get a trainer to have a look and see see what you would benefit from working on rather than just benching all the time yeah yeah benching and arm curls those are the two yeah <laughs> yeah that's it benching arm curls and for girls girls love doing squats and deadlifts as a generalization um but that's basically yeah how how most you know the go-to exercises for guys and girls in the gym yeah i hate squats and deadlifts <laughs> i quite like deadlifts i'm not a massive squat fan i do like deadlifts yeah um, so if somebody's wanting to advance a little bit then adam like you know, they want to move on from the beginner stage and advance their riding and their enjoyment. What would you advise they look at then? Do they need to change what they're doing in the gym? I would do. I would change what you're what you're doing in the gym because the chances are if you are advancing your development, the chances are you've improved on the bike. So you're probably fitter, faster. Um, the things you need in the gym are a lot different now because you don't just want to lose a bit of weight. You actually want to make your riding better. So you're faster on the bike. Your reactions are better on the bike. You're moving around a lot better on the bike. So now we look at how we can make your body reflect that development. So we start adding in things like box jumps to develop your, your leg power. We look at, you know, box landings to develop your resistance impact and your knee strength we start throwing in some movement-based work to get your shoulders moving a lot more fluid and your body just sort of moving around a lot more athletically rather than before where you were you were quite you know you were strong but you were quite clunky um so we we change things around we still have the strength work in there but we move it to a lot more movement-based exercises now so Instead of doing squats with a lot of weight, you might be getting you lunging with a dumbbell over your head. So you're developing your core stability and your core strength while you're developing your strength in your legs and your your shoulders and, and things like that. So it's all about getting the body to move better and perform better when it's on the bike rather than just being stronger and just looking better. Yeah, it's very different, isn't it, from just doing a normal kind of 
bodybuilding regime, if you like. Uh, the, the the disciplines are very different. So would you advise somebody to obviously seek advice in that uh, on a one-to-one kind of level rather than just going into the gym and bench pressing and you know, you know, just doing all the normal stuff that you see the big guys in there doing. I definitely would. I think there's a huge, there's a huge advantage to doing it. I mean, my sort of riding, when I started training like this and, and really paying attention to what I was doing in the gym, my motivation to train went through the roof anyway, because I was doing something different, but I could also see the benefit it had on my riding. And I felt faster. I felt fitter. I felt less tired when I was on the bike and less fatigued. So it, it definitely does help um, to get a, a sort of trainer in there to make you move better and to plan these exercises out because they'll be able to look at what you do throughout the week as well. So I, for instance, Tuesdays, Fridays and Sundays are the days I'll ride the bike. So I know on Monday I need to go easy on my legs. I know on Wednesday I can sort of give them a bit of a hammering because I've got a couple of days before I ride again on Friday and then you know, Tuesday and Fridays are the days after rides. I'll generally focus on a lot more movement-based stuff and core stability stuff. So they're a, little, they're a little bit like active rest sessions where I'm still working. I'm just not going full pelt. So I'm letting my body recover while I'm also training it to move. And a professional is going to be able to do that for your lifestyle Whereas, you know, you're just going to sort of do things that you've seen on YouTube and you've heard people telling you to do. A professional's really going to dig into your lifestyle and get to know a lot about you so we can create a plan that works for you and only mm. you. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's important that, right? Because we we look at social media stuff and we think that you have to blast yourself 100% all the time. But that's really not the way to go, is it? No, you you can you can do a lot of damage. I mean, I I'm guilty of this. When lockdown started, I was I went for a 20 mile road ride, and then I didn't feel like I'd done enough, so I went out for a, a three mile run, um, and that I felt great after doing that. But then that went further. I ended up doing 40 miles on the road bike, and then I went out for a three mile run, and a mile into it, I just thought well, this is a stupid idea. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, if you flog yourself every day, you can absolutely burn yourself out. And then when you burn yourself out, you stop enjoying your riding so much because you get on the bike and the minute you start pedaling, you just think, I'm shattered. Mm. Yeah. Um, social media and, and Strava and ride tracking is a great tool, but it can also be quite a hindrance to your training as well because you can look at it and you can think oh, i've only done 10 miles today that's nothing and then you, you realize how tired you were on these rides but you're looking at the distance and this is something i'm guilty for i'm a massive distance chaser especially when i'm on the road bike and you know you can use strava and you can look at you think oh, i've only done 10 miles but then you forget you were shattered on that climb or you know, you, you couldn't really concentrate on the downhill because you were so tired and you were gasping. You look at the distance and you think, oh, I could do more than that. But you can't because, you know, you're tired. So, yeah, you do need to manage your energy levels incredibly well. Yeah. And I suppose at the end of the day, it's for 
enjoyment on the bike. So the majority of us are going to the gym so that we're a little fitter, a little more mobile, and we can enjoy our bike ride or our bike rides better. And there's no point being getting on the bike and feeling drained before you even start to pedal. No, not not at all. I mean, if I didn't enjoy riding the bike, I wouldn't do it. Mm. It's as simple as that. If I didn't enjoy being on my mountain bike, I, I, I it'd be up for sale. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's definitely an enjoyment element to it. Yeah. Cool. Let's move into mindset a little bit um, and and chat about that because I know you you like that kind of thing as well, um, and it's on your site and all there. Like, how much does mindset play into this whole thing? I think it, it, it's massive. Um, you know, in terms of developing confidence to ride on busy trails, in terms of you know getting out there when the weather's rubbish. Um, you know, going out and riding solo, if you're used to riding with your friends, mindset plays a, a massive part of riding bikes and of exercise in general. Um, and it's another thing that's very individual, you know, to the person that that is is in that sort of scenario. I mean, I, I enjoy riding bikes, but we had an absolutely horrendous winter this year, well, last year, and anyone who's sort of listening to this in the UK will be able to remember it. And, you know, there were times when after another ride in the rain, wearing my riding jacket and it's chucking it down and it's windy, there were times when I sort of woke up and I thought, no. Um, (laughs) But... (laughs) You know, that's when the mindset stuff comes into it, and that's when you can really, you know, feel rewarded for going out on the bike. Mm-hmm. And, and that's yeah. when you look at people and and how people respond to certain things, because mindset's very individual as well. Yeah, and I suppose it's too easy to be in your bed or when you get home from work and it's slashing and raining and windy, and you you say to yourself, "Well, I'm not getting paid for doing this. Why would I bother?" But you think it's important just to help overcome that just to go ahead and do it you think it's important for the mindset i it depends why it depends why you ride doesn't it i mean at the time i was training pre-season for my cross-country season so my mindset was very much a case of i've been given a fantastic opportunity by trek who i ride for um to have a cross-country racing bike it's a bike i'd never be able to afford I didn't want to throw the opportunity away and I wanted to do well, you know, because of that opportunity. So the gratitude of that is what got me out on those grim rides. Um, but if you're just riding for the enjoyment, you know, if if riding in the rain it is all well and good if you've got two weeks of it. But uh, we had like 16 weeks of it, constant, <laughs> like just constant, constant, constant. It got to the point where none of my mates wanted to go out. So I was riding on my own and I was waking up at like six o'clock on Sunday morning, walking the dog and it was chucking it down. And I was sort of out there within thinking, I've got to go out in this. Mm. Um, but again, it is all about why why you go out riding. And if, if, if it's not going to make you happy to go out there and do it, there's no point saying like, you know, I'm not going to be one of these marine trainers and say you're weak. If you haven't been out on the bike and it's chucking it down, because it's not a nice experience. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there are ways you can make it better, but it's still no, nowhere near as good as riding in June when everything's dusty and there's no wind. But yeah. Yeah, it's difficult. It's difficult to motivate yourself at times like that, for sure. And that's when you were saying earlier, you were saying group rides. You know, that's when group rides help, eh? when there's a number of you. 
100%. I mean, there's there's that element, isn't there, of, you know, we're all in it together when you're riding in groups. And you can say to each other, oh, let's just go out and smash like a 10-mile 10 10 mile loop. Um, and, 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 like, when we were talking about whether people will still be riding when the weather gets, gets down, if you do have mates to go out riding with, it is going to be a lot more enjoyable when, when those scenarios come into play because you've got people to do it with. You're not on your own. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Good advice, good advice. Now, let's chat a little bit about trails and things that are happening there because you noticed that when you were out in your trails there uh, a number of days ago, there's obviously more people now, beginners and people getting back into the mountain biking thing and hitting the trails. Uh, what are you finding is happening on the trails regarding rubbish since the increase in, in the users? I think there's a lot more people out there and <clears throat> rightly so enjoying the time outside because we've been locked up for a few months now. So I don't begrudge anyone enjoying the time being outside. Um, I have a half hour ride to get to my local trails. I've got a ride through a park. I've got a ride through the street and I've got a sort of ride up um, to where my local trails are. And I'm noticing when I'm going out, um, I'm seeing rubbish all over the park. People are obviously being in there, having food, you know, enjoying sort of being outside and not taking stuff home with them and not putting them in, in bins. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had an increase in fires recently as well because yeah. obviously it's been bone dry. Um, I was out riding in Warncliffe on Tuesday and there was about four fire engines tackling a blaze on, on Warncliffe Woods. And in the Peak District near me, people have been taking barbecues up there um which have never been allowed to do pre-lockdown anyway so it's yeah it, it it's all sort of coming together and, and and it's is it a lack of respect is it laziness is it just people getting carried away by being excited about being outside i don't know i don't want to generalize who or what user group is doing it but whoever it is you know you've got to have a bit of respect for the outdoors i mean it's it's beautiful areas. We're very privileged to have these outdoor areas. So look after it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Home. Yeah, for sure. And I, I have seen posts, you know, more posts recently on social media, just showing images of rubbish left behind and things like that. And I think it's important for beginners to realize that these trail centers and stuff, they're not really mean, maintained by the local governments as such. You know, there's there's not a daily collection of guys goes up and, and takes rubbish off the trails. It, it's all volunteers that do that at times. So I think that's important for new riders to understand that they have to keep their rubbish on them when they're done with it and take it home and put it in the bins provided. And let's hope, let's hope there are some. You know, um, like the trail centres around you, do you see rubbish on the trails themselves? Fortunately we're quite lucky around here where you know i think a lot of people do have a lot of appreciation for stuff i mean i have seen inner tubes lying around which i've sort of picked up and then put them in the nearest bins um you see energy gel wrappers on the floor Mm. quite a lot and you see a lot of co2 canisters whether they've come from cyclists or people enjoying themselves with them I'm not too sure, but you see, they look the same, don't they? So you can't you can't really tell. But yeah, you do see bits lying around. I mean, it is it's very easy to have an energy gel and just throw the packet away. 
But mm. d- don't do it. I mean, you know, you get disqualified in races for doing that. So why would you do it when you're out riding your bike and, and you've got a pocket you pulled it out of? So put the wrapper back in it. Um, yeah, I do think you've got to have a bit of respect for your trails and you've got to understand that the point you made is a very good one, that it is volunteers that maintain these trails and look after these trails. Um, Sheffield's very unique in that there's not really any actual official open trail centres near okay. it. Okay. But we do have a lot of trails that have been built by the company Bike Track and Ride Sheffield manage them, and they're all volunteers. So, you know, the, the work they've got to do to go litter picking on the trails and things takes away from the work they do campaigning for more trails for us and, and things like that. So, yeah, definitely respect the volunteers time and give them less time to pick up rubbish yeah i think that that's true and you know the trail centers themselves and stuff are normally maintained by volunteers which are riders at the end of the day they give something back don't they um so it's important to and if you want to get involved in the community i think it's important to just realize things like that you know that the mountain bike community is really really good we're a bunch of nice friendly guys um but we don't like seeing our trails littered no no definitely not definitely not yeah um interesting stuff interesting it'll it'll be interesting just to see how that goes and what happens with that you know um with more people on the trails you haven't heard any of your local mates or anything complaining about people a lot more people been on the trails running i think a lot more people have been on the trails you can definitely see see evidence of that um you know I've, i've seen a lot more beginners riding bikes i've seen people who've sort of they've they said they're just getting into it and they're just looking at places to go. I think one of the things you've really got to think about if you are quite an experienced rider and you are quite a fast rider is understand that there's going to be people getting into this sport and, you know, how we behave towards them is going to drastically affect how they feel about the sport. So if you do see someone on a trail when you're tearing down it, you know, slow down, let them know, you're there, say hello to them, just say pull over when you're comfortable or, you know, don't force your way past them. Um, And just understand that new people getting into the sport can only be good for the sport that we all enjoy doing. Mm -hmm. And it it means more friends, more riding partners, more investment into our sport. So it can only benefit us. So, yeah, definitely sort of paint a good image of of mountain bikers and, and give the beginners something to be happy about. Yeah, I think that's very true. It's a really good point. You know, you don't want to be these new people in it. You don't want to be scaring them off just with bad attitudes and stuff like that. Well, it's um, terrifying. If if you're a new if you're a newcomer and someone comes riding behind you really quickly with the noisy hope hubs, <laughs> and like they don't say anything, it's it's quite it's quite an intimidating thing. Um, and sometimes on the trails there's nowhere you can really pull in or you know a, a, a beginner rider will feel like they can't really stop and get off or they'll feel like there's nowhere they can safely do that so you've got to understand that you know we've all been there mm-hmm. uh, it's very very true man and you know yeah and if anything that's probably more it makes it more of a dangerous scenario because they will probably panic and then just stop where you wouldn't expect them to stop you know yeah, or have an accident. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's great to see new people out, but we just uh, we can't be running over the top of them and chasing them down the mountain and stuff, you know. <laughs> no, no, not at all. 
No, cool. Uh, well, Adam, before I let you go there, um, where can people find you, get in contact if they're in your area and stuff? Yeah, they can get in contact with me on um, my website, www.adamcopleypt.com or my social media, which is Adam Copley Personal Training on Facebook. And then Instagram, it's just a Copley PT. Um, they're the three main ways that I'm active and, and can be got in touch with. Yeah, cool. And you're doing face-to-face appointments and stuff like that as well. Do you do group stuff? Do you do online stuff? What what kind of stuff do you do there that people can get involved with? At the minute, with um, everything going on, I'm still able to do home visits now. The government have allowed us to do home visits. So as long as you can social distance, I'm doing home visits. I'm doing online training where you know I work with people to develop them on the bike and give them Strava routes and things like that. And I can see them in parks as well. So things are gradually coming back to normal. Excellent, bud. Excellent. Um, well, I'm glad everything's going well for you there anyway, as, as well as it can. I know it's a, a difficult industry at the minute, um, but I'm glad you've adapted well to it and uh it's great to get your enthusiasm and your motivation in the in the mountain bike industry. Like it's it's cool, man. And you know, like your scene there and and stuff like that. Do you like is your scene really good? Is it really active? Is it a great community and all? Oh, it's it's buzzing in Sheffield. Mountain biking is it, 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 Sheffield's fantastic. Cause it's got everything. You've got the Peak District close by, so if you want sort of big loop rides, you can do that. Warncliffe Woods. Um, that's all like real proper old school downhill, rocky, muddy. I love riding in Warncliffe Woods. Um, and then we've got loads of really good man-made trails, which is great for beginners because we've got, you know, three blue trails, a couple of red trails, which are quite easy um, for people to step up into once they've got used to riding. So, yeah, Sheffield's got everything and the community is great. It's a small community and, and everyone's really supportive of each other. It, it's a it's a mint place to ride bikes. Cool, man. It's, it's such a cool thing to be involved in. It really is. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Great sport. Well, listen, bud, good luck for the rest of the year. I hope everything goes well and uh, I hope the gym's open soon there for you and you can get back in and training people and keeping them safer on the trail. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. Take care, bud. Thank you. You too. Goodbye. That's a wrap for episode 146. Folks, I hope you enjoyed that and you got plenty from it. And Adam, thanks so much for coming on the show. It was great to chat to you. And I know we've been chatting after we uh, done this interview, which was a few weeks ago now. But uh, yeah, I'm glad things are picking up a little bit for you there. And I hope everything goes and runs a little bit more smoothly for you over the 2020 season. Racing's getting started, so your clients will be certainly knocking on your door very, very soon. So good luck, bud, for 2020. Now, folks, if you want to know more about Adam, just go to mtb-tribe.com, hit up the show notes there. You'll get a little bit more about what we chatted about on the interview, and you'll get links and stuff to Adam's socials there. So if you want to get in contact, you can hit him up. It's easy. Quick links there. If you're enjoying the show, the best way to help is by subscribing, rating, and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. Every one of your ratings helps boost us on Apple's algorithms and helps spread the good word about the show to more people. If you're not on Apple, you can find and subscribe via Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean or whatever platform you listen to your podcasts on. Just search for MTB Tribe. We are on 99% of them. We also have a website, mtb-tribe.com, where you can find the complete back catalogue, listen and download every show. 
You can also subscribe there and get one email per week with a quick and easy link to listen to the show and a short synopsis of who's coming on the episode that week. You can also get involved on social media at MTV Tribe on Instagram and Facebook. And please share with friends and family and let's try and get more people off the sofa and onto the saddle. That's why the podcast is here at the end of the day is to try and get you guys up the trails, keep you stoked and learn a little bit more about the industry and the sport we love so much. So thanks so much for being involved this week and for tuning in. I do appreciate it. And I will join you next week for another episode of the podcast. But until then... Get the bikes out, hit the trails, and stay MTB stoked.